make you go, hmm. Man, that's got to be the weirdest sounds I think I've ever walked out to. I'm just going to, I'm going to get that out of the open right now. You know, we're finishing up this series called Um, and so it's a good series because let's be honest, we've all had those times and those moments in our lives when we didn't know what to do, those um moments. Like, I really don't have any idea what to do right now. Heck, I've had those preaching. <laughs> we said at the beginning of the series that we were going to give you this rinse and repeat kind of process that you can incorporate into your life to kind of help you through those um moments, right? Or, or at the very least, help you navigate through them. We said many times that we can tell you what to do, right? But it's up to you to actually apply it. If you decide not to and continue doing the things you've always done, you're probably going to continue to have the same results you've always had, right? Jesus said that he came to bring abundant life. But the thief, on the, other came, on the other hand, came to steal, kill, and destroy. So are you starting to believe that you can still have hope of abundant life? Do you believe that God is like, he's not out to get you, but he's out to save you from this thief? So let's just kind of recap. Step one was to admit that we need help, right? Step two was to seek wisdom. And this isn't just some knowledge. This isn't just answers to specific questions or, or whatever topic it is that you're going through at the time. It's learning to ask great questions in light of God's word, in light of my past, in light of my present, in light of my future, to think about what the wise thing to do really is. And once we have wisdom, we need to learn to create these standards that are going to guard us, right? They're going to help us through those um moments, whether we're 5, 15, or 95, to actually live these things and not just speak it or to practice what we preach. See, if I can't live it out, why should people trust me? Why should people follow or listen to me? And if you want a future like Jesus promises, then live like it now. If you missed any of these messages, man, I encourage you to go back and check them out. You can find them online. You can listen to our podcast. Today's message really does kind of bind them all together. This is the final message that wraps all those things up. So we're going to start with a proverb, a proverb that we need to put into practice every single day. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. In every moment of life, I can choose to love or I can choose not to love, right? The final steps of motivation and desire are steps that we have to have in order for this whole process to work, and this process is love. So when there are disagreements or, or we don't live up to certain expectations or certain standards, when people hurt us, when we hurt other people, we need to ask these series of questions at just every single time. That's why our big idea is always ask, what does love require? That's a question that we've got to ask before we even start this process. It's something that we need to ask through every single step of this process. If we don't, we're more likely to bring strife and pain and more problems, right? Have you ever used a word that you didn't realize had multiple meanings? Or maybe a word that you use that everybody else uses for something different? Man, those can be some embarrassing moments, especially the older we get, right? Guys are weird, right? We use the same words to describe our relationship with our wives and our relationship with our trucks. I love my truck. I do. And there are so many books and there are so many movies and so many songs written about love. And I imagine that love is one of the most discussed topics in all literature and in all entertainment. And it's universal and it's relevant for every single generation and every single civilization. And as much as we talk about it, as much as we search it, man, you'd think we'd be experts by now. 
but maybe we just misunderstand what love is. So before we dismiss this message or before we decide that we already know what love is, let's take a look at how God describes love. Jesus himself talked about love here when he was asked, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. See, this verse is, is, is used by all kinds of people to prove their definition of love. See, Jesus even told us to love others. He commanded us to love our enemies. And what's the first thing you notice here? You can't command a feeling. You can't command an attraction. So love is neither a feeling nor an emotion. And it seems so hard for us to separate feelings and emotions from the word love, doesn't it? See, love does bring about emotions, and love does create feelings. But love isn't an emotion, and it's not a feeling. See, love is a command. Then it can be measured, and it can be proven. And the second thing we need to notice is that loving others is the second commandment. It's his second command he had. The first was to love God with everything we've got, right? But to, in order to understand how to love others, we've got to love God. See, John was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He was called the disciple that Jesus loved. And when Jesus was hanging on a cross, John was the one that he looked at and he said, this is your mother. And he looked at his mom, and what did he say to his mom? He said, this is now your son. And he was speaking about John. They had this closeness, and, and John loved Jesus so much, and I'm sure he knew exactly what he meant. But just to make sure we are on the same page as Jesus, let's take a look at, at some of the clear and practical definitions so that we know that we're really loving God with all we have. This is from the book that John wrote himself. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, Father, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Check this out. If we love things, in this world, as much or more than we love God, that's not God's love. From this simple verse, we can see that there are things that we do love that God doesn't love. So just because we love something, that doesn't mean that God loves it. It doesn't even mean that it's okay. For example, the desires of the flesh, pride, desires of your eyes, if you love those things, that love, that ain't from God. John also wrote, little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and truth. Man, it's easy to talk the talk. But are we as Christians really walking the walk? If we say that we love people, but we don't act out of love, or we don't treat them in a loving way, hate to tell you, but that's not love either. It's clear that when Jesus says love others, he means to love them not just in words, but also in actions. And John goes on to say, anyone who does, not love, who does not love does not know God, because God is love. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. See, God is love. And the test for knowing whether we really know God is if we love others. 
Not only does it demonstrate that, that we know God, but it also helps to show what God looks like, right? And then John wraps up his letter on love in chapter 5. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. A very common question that we get is, how can I be sure that I love God? The answer is simple, if we obey his commandments. That is the love of God, that we keep his commands. And John says that we should get to the point where his commands are not even burdensome to us anymore. See, if we are refusing to obey God, then I must not be in love with him. And I'm going to be honest with you, there are times in my life when I don't want to follow God's commands. I want to do something different. I want to do what I want to do. But then I have to choose who I love more. Do I love me or do I love God? And we might think that maybe John's embellishing here a little bit to prove his point, right? Maybe he's just exaggerating a little bit. But listen to the words of Jesus himself. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We cannot escape that connection between obedience and love. If, we, if I say that I'm loving others, but I'm not obeying God, that is not the love that Jesus commanded. If I want to know that I'm loving God with all I have, I can simply ask, am I obeying him? Love is very much attached to trust. If I trust God and I believe in him, I will obey him. And love seems to be the same way that I can demonstrate my belief or my trust in God. You ever told anybody, I don't feel loved by you? I don't, I don't feel loved. I don't feel like you love me. What do you really mean? Typically, what you're truly saying is, I haven't seen you say or I haven't heard you say or do something that makes me feel loved. And Chris and I have had those arguments. I mean, disagreements. <laughs> I'd be like, honey, I, I don't feel loved by you. Have you ever seen my wife angry? I'm going to pay for this. Rose is over there going, Yep. Listen, I'm crazy. I'm not stupid. I asked for permission first. <laughs> you think I don't love you? Are you stinking kidding me? All I do is think about you. I take care of this house. I wash the dishes. I make sure your dinner's ready. I do the laundry. I do this. I do that. Name some things you've done. I'm like, I feed the cows. <laughs> Fed the pig. Filled up the waterer. Did some chores outside. Poof, the light bulb goes off. She does love me. <laughs> See, feelings aren't real. They're not accurate. Maybe, maybe the feelings that we have, maybe those are real, but we know for a fact they're not accurate. And oftentimes when we say, I don't feel like you love me, what we really meant is I felt annoyed or I felt dismissed or I just didn't get what I wanted at that point. I was annoyed at the way you dismissed me. You didn't let me finish. You interrupted me. You assumed, and then you just dismissed me. So you made me feel like blah, 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 and the next thing you know, you're having this feelings conversation. <laughs> and sometimes we simply mean, I didn't like it that you disagreed with me. <laughs> if you don't agree with me, it makes it feel like you don't love me. 
and that's not fair. Sometimes it means you offended me and you embarrassed me. When you made that comment, it really embarrassed me. It hurt my feelings or it made me feel whatever. And let's be honest, we hurt those that we're the closest to and we get hurt by the ones that we're closest to. Sometimes it means that you don't just let, the, you don't let things go. You brought up things that happened 25 years ago. It makes me feel like you don't love me when you keep bringing these things up. But the honest truth is, you love me very much. And maybe you just have a hard time showing it in this way or that way. Or maybe you're struggling in this area or that. Or maybe, maybe you just have a bad habit in this area. But what if we all assumed or believed the best out of each other? That you love me and I love you, period. I choose you in this discussion. I choose you in this argument. I choose you in this um moment. How would we handle it? How would I communicate with you if I didn't have to prove that I loved you or if I truly believed that you loved me? How would I treat you even though you offended me or you embarrassed me or you didn't agree with me or you dismissed me? I'd have to ask the question, what does love require? It's our big idea, right? Ask the question. It takes us back to that proverb that love covers all offenses. If neither of us chooses to love, then neither of us will begin to take that first step of pausing. We won't seek wisdom. We'll just seek to be right. And because I feel that I need to change you, all this started. When I ask the question, it forces me to choose to either act out of love or to not. You know some of those jobs that you do once a year, like rake the leaves or maybe clean the windows in the second story on the outside, or in my world, baling hay. You wake up in the morning after doing those jobs and your arms are hurt and your back's hurt and your legs feel like iron. (laughs) And that knot in the middle of your back just won't go away. Because you just gave it the work out of your life and you you ain't used it in a long time. And now it's sore. I kind of imagine love's like that. It's something that you can strengthen, right? It's like a muscle that can be developed, but it can also be weak if you never use it, if you never exercise it. We need to strengthen our love. And here is the best workout program, and I don't care what you think of them Peloton trainers, this is tougher. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I can boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Because love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Husbands and fathers, I need you guys to pay attention here. Notice what it says here. You can have the greatest words in the world. You can be the smartest man in the world. You can have faith that can literally move a, a mountain. 
You can give all your kids the greatest gifts and the greatest things in the world. You can do all the chores around the house. You can be the best athlete, the smartest person in the world, and the toughest person in the world. Without love, you are absolutely nothing. What if we lived like that were true? What if we started believing that the greatest thing we could do for our families, the greatest things we could do for our wives, the greatest thing we could do for our kids, the greatest things we could do for our friends and our marriages is to love them better. But Kenny, they're the ones that need to learn how to love better. I know I'm married to one too. But the minute I stepped into that relationship, it became a mess. I heard a pastor say one time, you put two sinners in the same household, you're going to have unreconcilable differences. And I'm here to tell you that my wife is an absolute saint compared to me. I'm the mess, and she loves me anyway. And I know what you're thinking, but we need to get them straight, and then I'll be able to love them better. Kenny, you don't understand. My friends, my teacher, my family, they're all out to get me. This feeling, this emotion is killing me. Believe me, I can relate. However, if this is true, then the only way out of these um moments is love. My grandson Vinny told my daughter a while back that he was feeling a bunch of emojis right now. <laughs> Let's apply that. To him, emojis are emotions, right? So if it's really that simple, then pick another emoji. Pick another emotion. Get out of that emotion and pick another one. It's really that simple. See, if I'm doing all three things that we just talked about, to get people to do what I want them to do because I'm right and they're wrong, or to, to prove a point, then guess what? That's not love. If I want to keep something that I love, but something that God doesn't love, or if I want to continue to do something that God says is wrong, like porn or gambling or being a Lions fan. <laughs> Couldn't resist, sorry. I want to stop feeling this way. But I don't want to stop doing the things that I want to do. The way out is love. And it's not love of this world. And it's not love and just works, and it's not love that's self-serving. It's God's love. So where are you choosing to not be patient? Where are you choosing to not be kind? Where are you choosing to dishonor or slander others, to say nasty things? Where are you boasting and putting others down? Where are you delighting in evil or other people's suffering? Where are you keeping records of wrong or holding these past mistakes against people? Believe me, it stinks looking down deep inside. But if you don't get that junk in the light, it will destroy you. I know that for a fact. And you've got to continuously do it. I had to do it this week. I said something to somebody I shouldn't have said, and I had to apologize to them. I had to put it in the light. Listen, I'm human too. And these are moments where in our lives where I have to choose to obey or I choose not to obey. I know it's their fault. They started it. It's my boss's fault. He's such a jerk. It's my parents' fault. It's my dad's fault. It's my mom's fault. It's the kid's fault. Kenny, you don't get it. They're not nice. And all of those things may be true, but I have a choice, and you have a choice. 
What if we choose love? If Jesus is who he says he is, I can either choose to trust him or choose not to. You've got to remember, you're not fighting against that person. You're not fighting against flesh and blood. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Man, think of love like a bank account. Sarcasm and ripping each other and all those things are withdrawals, right? And if you constantly make withdrawals and you don't put any deposit, what happens? You overdraft. Ever been there in a relationship? Imagine every day if you woke up and you chose to be patient with your family regardless of the way they acted. Whether you chose to be kind just because, not to get yourself out of trouble, but because you're choosing to. You choose to keep the things in the past that are in the past instead of bringing them up again. Let's create a stronger love. Your bank account of love would then be overflowing, right? And the times when you choose to not love wouldn't be as problematic and it wouldn't be as dramatic. It wouldn't be as hard for people to forgive you. If all of us learned what real love was and committed ourselves to loving others, you know what would happen? Less um moments. And maybe the reason we keep having so many um moments is because our love is weak. And I got a feeling there's some people in here that have a hard time with that. And it was for me too. Maybe we really think we're a loving person. Listen, I, I don't know each and every one of you personally. I don't know whether you're a loving person or not. But what I do know is that God is love. And I know that Jesus commanded us to love. And then he defined it for us. So if you really want to know if you're a loving person, go back this week and look at all these verses and see if the love that you're given is the love that they're showing. See if it's God's love. Sometimes we think people are just born to love, right? Or maybe that's just their personality or that's just their gift. And that's not true. Because I'm here to tell you love is a choice. And John is here to help us again. He said, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. We didn't create love. We didn't initiate love. God loved us first. And we have the choice whether to love or not. And maybe you grew up in a, in, a, in a tough family or maybe you grew up in a tough neighborhood and maybe there wasn't any love or not a lot of love in there. Go, don't worry about it. That's not where love comes from. Or maybe you've been betrayed by your closest friend or maybe, maybe you've been cheated on. Maybe, maybe you were the cheater. Maybe you've been treated poorly or maybe you yourself have been a really nasty person. Don't worry because that's not where love comes from. You can still have love and learn to show love. Man, I didn't know what love was until I was 34 when I learned that God truly loved me. When I came to that realization, this was the ultimate demonstration of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And while the music plays here in the next couple of minutes, you've got an opportunity to respond to that. And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, man, 
All, we, we've made it so simple. All you've got to do is text your name to 734-304-7248. Shoot us an email at next at southpointccc.com. Talk to the people that are up front here. If you want to put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, this is your invitation. Phone, email, or person. And in case you didn't want to do it, in case you didn't want to come up during this next song, in case you didn't want to text, in case you didn't want to meet me an email, as you're walking out, you got one more opportunity before you hit that door. You can stop by the point. And there's not a person that you're going to talk to that won't pray with you, answer your questions, get you in front of somebody that can. We are choosing to show you love, and how you react to it is up to you. During this Thanksgiving, I'm reminded that we gathered for Thanksgiving out of love, right? And we had a meal, a love meal. And in the early church, they met every single week. And they had a meal, a love meal. And communion kind of reminds us of God's love and what he did for us. And if you're a Christ follower, follower another way that we draw near is the Lord is to share in a time of communion every single week. When you come each week, you can pick up your communion in the back doors. You peel back the cover, you eat of the bread and you drink of the juice. The bread represents God's body, Jesus' body, and the juice represents his blood. To proclaim your belief in the gospel and your need for a Savior and the value of our fellowship. And if you don't have a relationship with him yet, remember that anyone can use these next few minutes to pray. To reflect on your relationship with God. Maybe even to confess anything keeping you from him. Father God, thank you so much for this week. Thank you for the people that, that tuned in through computer, those that drove here, that wanted to hear your word. Lord, I thank you for allowing your Holy Spirit to fill this place. Father God, if there is anybody in here that doesn't know you, I ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to, to just move them. Help them to either come forward, talk to somebody when they leave, text or email, whatever it is they need to do. was until we met you we thought we did and now we know what true love is and I am so grateful for that if there's anybody in here that doesn't know that Lord I just ask you to be with them so that they can take that next step to figure that out in Jesus name Amen